she's walking through and she's like, so many men. She managed to get eight dates in one week. Come on though, she's Hillary Duff. Elixir was the New York Times bestseller. She was just like, what a bitch. And I was yes. like, yes, Hillary. <laughs> Hey Team Duff, it's Wit. Thanks so much for listening to Duff Enough, the ultimate Hillary Duff fan podcast. This show is a celebration of the life and career of actress, singer, mother, and all-around icon, Hillary Duff. And right now I am joined by a mega Hillary fan and someone who works very hard to bring us all of the Hillary news. He's one of three people behind the Hillary news social media accounts. Josh LeClaire, welcome to Duff Enough. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for having me here. Absolutely. So glad I could have you on. And you guys work so hard, as I was saying, and the fans, we definitely appreciate it. So thank you for all of the wonderful years of Hillary news. Oh, thank you. It's the fans that uh, keep it going, you know? Yeah. And you are here for Beauty in the Briefcase, which I understand has a little bit of a history with the start of Hillary News. That was kind of the launching point. Yes. that Yeah, that's the interesting thing. At first, we just started off to promote the movie, right? Mm-hmm. And then we were like, Let, let's go bigger with this and just make it all about Hillary. Just like news, pictures, anything. So it was me and Avery from the start. Yeah. And then Lewis came on after that yeah it's been a journey i think i came on actually and then elixir is another part of this episode right. we're gonna be talking about at the end but i came on i feel like when elixir was coming out i remember starting to follow yeah yeah so, it's been a long time it has been yeah i feel like we've become like very close with you and you've been uh-huh. very close with the page and we appreciate you always tweeting us and like retweeting us and just staying up to eight with us. Yeah. And y'all been so supportive of the pod. So it's been great. Yes. It's been great. And really, just before we jump into everything, tell me a little bit about your Hillary fandom. I know a lot of us have this similar experience of growing up and watching her as Lizzie, but I know you've definitely had, like a lot of us, a deep connection uh, with her for a long time. Yeah, I would definitely say it started when I was a lot younger, maybe like 12 or 13. I remember just one day flipping through the channels or whatever, and I saw Lizzie McGuire on. Well, I didn't know what it was at first, but I watched it and I liked it. And then after it ended, one of her music videos actually came on and it was, I can't wait. It was like, oh, wow, she can sing too kind of thing. So that's kind of how it all started. I know that you did that great interview with her, I remember, on for Hillary News that one time. Yes, um, that happened 2013. It was done at a Starbucks, which it was kind of hard <laughs> sometimes yeah. with like everyone around. And it was like, oh, is anyone like going to come up and like interrupt us, you know? Right. But we made it work and it was really fun. It's a great interview. And I remember being so excited because this was right before she kind of got back into the studio and started working on music or had just started. And you got to ask her a lot about that, which yes. was great. Well, I have three questions I ask every guest. First question, what is your favorite Hillary Duff movie? I have to say A Cinderella Story, for sure. It's a classic. It's a classic. Yeah, I love the cast. Like, I thought she did great in it and definitely a classic. Next question, what is your favorite Hillary Duff song? I would say stranger Mm. the first time i listened to dignity and i heard stranger i was like this is really different right and i just knew straight away that i wanted it to be a single 
And then what is your favorite episode of Lizzie McGuire? Okay, this one I thought a lot about. And I think I would have to say those Freaky Maguires. Freaky Friday-ish episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where they, Matt and Lizzie switch bodies. Yep. And I thought she did really well as playing uh, Matt. She did. It's one of those two where a lot of the show is so rooted in reality. And this one was kind of just kind of like this fun, like silly fantasy episode. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Great one. Great choices. Sit back, relax, and enjoy our silver screen queen. It's time for Block Duffster. We will jump into Beauty and the Briefcase now, and I've got some stats I'll talk about here for a second. So this movie premiered on April 18th, 2010. It's an ABC Family original movie back before Freeform was Freeform. I still think of Freeform as ABC Family sometimes, actually. But anyway, (laughs) based on a novel called Diary of a Working Girl. And uh, I remember that the fans on Facebook actually got to vote. Well, originally, I remember it being called The Business of Falling in Love. Yes, I do remember that. I think on ABC Family's Facebook page, I remember them doing this poll where you could vote on what to name this new movie. And they had options of like Business of Falling in Love, Beauty and the Briefcase, and something else. And I saw it and I was like, oh, well, it's already called The Business of Falling in Love. So why are they doing this, this voting thing? Exactly. But then it changed. It changed and became Beauty and the Briefcase, which I feel like is probably a more fun title. It is, Uh, yeah. Some other things to note here. Hillary served as an executive producer on that. We love to see it. This was shot in New Orleans and NYC. Great ratings for the network, 2.4 million viewers. It was nominated for Family TV Movie at the People's Choice Awards. And then also there was a partnership with Cosmopolitan because they use Hillary's real cover in the movie. So pretty cool, pretty Very cool, cool uh, mm-hmm. info there. And I remember when this premiered, it had been a while since we'd seen Hillary in more of a mainstream movie, I guess. I mean, it was a TV movie. She had done Gossip Girl the year before this. So it had been a minute. It had been a minute since we'd seen her in anything super mainstream. This was kind of during that indie movie era that she was doing. I feel like it was something she did for the fans. I think so too. Yeah. This movie had like a classic Hillary feel to it. You know, it kind of threw back to her rom-coms and that sort of thing. Which was nice to see because like she had done these indie movies, but we had no idea when they were coming out. Right. Yeah. So this was a nice surprise. Cast list here. We have Hillary as Lane Daniels. We have Michael McMillan as Tom. Matt Dallas as Seth, and a lot of people who watched ABC Family at that time already knew him from Kyle XY. We have Chris Carmack as Liam. He went on to have a big role on the TV show Nashville on ABC. Uh, Jamie Presley as Kate, and Jennifer Coolidge has a little cameo, I guess, in this movie as a character named Alicia. Cinderella story reunion there. Yes. So watching this movie back, kind of my initial reaction here, and I don't know if you had the same, but this movie now is a decade old, and I was just thinking this was way, way before Me Too, but I don't think this movie would get made this way or period now. I mean, it was it was very much kind of this film about, you know, a girl who goes to work in this business setting around all of these men 
and she's just trying to get them to fall in love with her and they're all kind of looking at her and checking her out and all this stuff and I was like this would not work today and I don't think Hillary would do it no and I was also thinking about how this character felt kind of like a precursor to Kelsey maybe a little more tame than Kelsey not quite as messy a little more ditzy than Kelsey from younger but definitely gave me Kelsey vibes yeah definitely I definitely felt that as well and they totally, like, this was just a great movie to show off Hillary in a lot of great outfits. Okay, well, jumping in here. So the film is about a freelance writer who Hillary is playing named Lane. And she has this checklist when it comes to meeting guys. And she wants to make sure that they check off every single box, even though they're kind of impossible to achieve, so we think. But she wants to work for Cosmopolitan, and she wants to write for fashion. Kind of towards the beginning, we see Jennifer Coolidge. I believe she was interviewing Jennifer Coolidge for a story, or Jennifer Coolidge, the character that she's playing here. This was for like a different piece. This wasn't for the Cosmo piece. But anyway, that interview doesn't go great. And we see Lane kind of blurt out that she is jealous of Jennifer's boyfriend. And she like blurts that out, which I thought was so funny because in Lizzie McGuire, we're so used to seeing, you know, Lizzie say the exact opposite of what she's thinking inside her head. So Lane's roommate, Joanne, actually gets her a pitch meeting at Cosmo, which is exciting. And she goes to Cosmo. She has on this great red and blue square dress, which was super memorable. I had not watched this movie in a while, but some of the outfits really stood out to me. And that one was one I remembered pretty well. And do you want to talk about what happens when she first uh, hits the crosswalk to head to Cosmo? Oh, you mean like when she falls in the street? Yes, yes which is just so great. I mean, we love a <laughs> Hillary Pratt fall. Because we know she's like known for those uh, from Lizzie McGuire. Oh, yeah, for sure. I don't know if we've seen her like trip and fall like that in Younger yet, but no, they need to make that they happen. they definitely need to put that in there. I mean, Kelsey's not quite as clumsy, but we get, we get her drunk enough and then it'll happen. <laughs> yeah. So at Cosmo, she meets Kate. And we see this little pitch meeting that doesn't go so well, and Kate passes on her. But then they start having this conversation about dateable guys. And at some point, it kind of turns into a convo about dating men in the workplace. And Lane is like, oh, there's a story here. So then there's this whole scheme that they come up with, and Lane does get an assignment. She's going to go undercover in the business world and date men in suits. And Kate says that Lane cannot date anyone else. And immediately it's like, well, okay, she's going to date someone else because we know this is not going to work out. (laughs) She goes in for a job interview. And I love this one line that she said something about, I've never understood resumes. They're just a contest to see who can lie better. And Lane does kind of lie. She says that she speaks three languages and some other stuff. She says that she knows how to use this software. And I think here I wrote down that Lane starts to look kind of dumb. I mean, at the beginning of the movie, I felt like she was kind of this go-getter and this smart, like, driven girl. And I think she is still that. But for whatever reason, she kind of turned into this ditzy character in this scene in particular. Yeah, I definitely agree. They kind of made her out to be that typical dumb blonde. Uh, Yeah, and I didn't really know how I felt about that. I wrote down... Tansy question mark for Tansy Marchetta. Right. "Mm, Kind of reminds me (laughs) of Tansy. I could see that. Mm -hmm. But we got some great like comedy out of this. And I loved the interaction between Hillary and I I guess the recruiter uh, woman or the woman who's kind of walking her through the interview. And 
keeps laughing at her and she does test on this software, which I, I thought this scene was great. But she's trying to get out of this test and the other girl who's taking the test is not helping her. And she comes up with this idea to spill water on the power cords. And so she gets up, gets her a little cup of water, and then knocks it off. And she says, too bad about those lights. I was nailing that test. I I don't know. I thought that scene was fun, even though I wasn't sure how I felt about the ditzy uh, lane all of a sudden. Yeah, it was pretty comical, I'd say, for sure. When she goes to the workplace, I just had such like cringe moments when I was seeing this because she's walking through and she's like, so many men, so many men. (laughs) And I'm just like, this is not how we view things these days. Especially now. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. It's just not a message that I think that we're sending in our entertainment anymore. And I don't think it's something that Hillary would want to send either. But yeah. So basically, she gets a job as an assistant at this investment company. Her boss is Tom. I made a note about the pink and orange outfit and like the gold chain necklace and the purple lip. That was also super memorable. Tom. We will talk about Tom now. So Tom is her boss, and he's kind of nerdy. He's not one of the guys that she's super drawn to, and he first talks about how he wears the same shirt. So Lane points out, like, aren't you wearing the same shirt you wore at the interview? And he says, oh, it's the same, but not the same. And so he's telling her that he has, like, six different, you know, button-down shirts that he wears for every day of the week or, you know, and an extra one and whatnot. But it's kind of like this nice little character trait that we that we see in Tom, and we see how, you know, this is not the guy that she's looking for that's going to be her boss. I thought it was cute how she got excited about her cubicle and her spinning chair. I feel like we've all been there when we get a new job and we like the little things are so exciting. Definitely. But anyway, yeah. another line I wrote down, she says, I'm like Anne Hathaway in The Devil Wears Prada, but without the evil boss. The gestures that Tom gives her to communicate I don't know at what point, but there is a part where he, you know, twirls his finger to gesture her to do something, and she gets up and she spins around, <laughs> like, showing off her outfit, and I was like, oh, no. <laughs> like, to me, that was the worst. Like, at that point, I was just like, no. That was pretty cringy. Can we talk about the nickname he gave her? Oh, yeah, yeah. Talk about it. So, Tom, her boss, gives her the nickname Abfab. And apparently, it's a throwback to a comedy show from 1992. I don't think in 2010 I would have gotten that reference. No. I did get that reference today just because I feel like at some point that show has come up in like a meme or something that I've seen on the internet. And it's almost like a Golden Girls-esque kind of show, but it's in terms of like popularity, I guess. But it's uh, a British comedy series kind of about these women and they're super fashionable and so that's what he was referring to is saying like you like fashion and seemed a little obscure to me but maybe not maybe not so of course she is also there undercover and trying to date all these men and she meets seth uh, at the copy machine obviously like he is kind of the guy that we see and we're like oh this is it like this is gonna be the guy that she falls in love with like he's mcdreamy like that's what you're led to believe i feel like at first and i kind of feel bad for him i kind of wish that that they would have had a little more of a dating storyline but but she meets seth 
And she does start going on dates. Like the men just start coming to her and asking her out. And we get a montage and we see that she's writing her article like on the job. She's even printing it out at the office, which I'm like, girl, this is not smart. But as she is turning in work to Kate at Cosmo, Kate is wanting her to, you know, get Seth to ask her out because he hasn't yet. And uh, I love how she does. Like she goes to the office and he he kind of is playing coy a little bit. He doesn't ask her and then he does. And it's, uh, I, I thought that scene was cute. Yeah. yeah. Um, he's kind of playing hard to get, I guess. Then there is Liam, which, okay. So Lane and Joanne are out for drinks at a restaurant and Lane accidentally spills a drink on this guy and he has a British accent, which at first I was like, wait, is this Australian? Is this British? What's going on here? It definitely threw me off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Chris Carmack, uh, the actor here, was also a love interest for like one of Haley's Christmas movies on Lifetime. Oh, was he? Yeah, so it's like, okay, good for him, good for him. Lane is all about Liam as soon as she meets him and he says he's a music producer and he asks her out for dinner, but he is not a guy in a suit, basically. So conflict already. Another great comical scene, I thought, that had a great one-liner is when Lane is on a date with a guy at work and she just, you know, she's super bored with the conversation and she's like, where's the craziest place you've ever had sex? (laughs) And he says, well, one time in college, he was like, I did it on the floor of my apartment or something. And of course, Lane is just like, okay, dude. But to get out of it, she's just like, um, you're too sexual for me. (laughs) And then she gets up and leaves. So I thought that was great. That was good. I like that part. Yeah. Can we talk about how she managed to get like eight dates in one week? I mean, come on, though. She's Hillary Duff. (laughs) I know she is Hillary Duff, but like it was her first week on the job. I guess it is New York City, but wouldn't it be a bit more difficult? Yeah, but also they made every single other woman, which there were only a few other women at that workplace, but they dressed them in like, you know, suits. And then here comes Hillary in like these dresses and just, you know. Right. Yeah. I don't know if this is that significant, but there was a cute moment where Elaine put up these beads in front of her office to like walk through this is a fun little, like, girly character trait. And I love when Hillary, like, Hillary's just super, you know, quote unquote, girly um, in general. So that was just a fun little thing to see. So there is one night where Lane has a date with Liam, and the waiter comes up and is kind of bragging on Liam, like, he knows him. And he's like, oh, Liam has his own record label. And so Lane is very into Liam. She's distracted at work, she's distracted from her article, and it's kind of all falling apart, but Lane is not even realizing it yet. So at some point, Tom actually confronts Lane about lying on her resume, and he gives her a warning. And this is when Lane decides, okay, I'm like super in love with Liam. I'm going to change my story to be about falling in love with a guy when you least expect it. And I'm going to quit this job. So that's what she does. She leaves a letter, you know, a resignation letter on Tom's desk. She goes to Cosmo with her new pitch. But Kate at Cosmo is like, no, like you're going to do this story that you talked about. You're falling in love with someone in the business world. So get back out there. So that's what she does. And she has to run and get the note back off Tom's desk, which the whole thing of like her running, like any kind of physical comedy that we can get from Hillary, I'm just like, yes. So even in that moment where she's like frantically running, it makes me think of like in The Perfect Man where she's running out to get those orchids or just anything, anything fun like that. Like I love when we can see Hillary. I love those little moments. Yeah. 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 So anything (laughs) like that. 
And by the way, Kate also tells her at this point that her Cosmo story is going to be a cover story. So this is a really big deal and she needs to take it seriously. So she tries to, you know, change her focus. She's going to break things off with Liam. But then he gives her this story about how he got his heart broken. And she's like, oh, well, I can't really, like, break up with him now. So she comes up with this idea, date Liam, but pretend like it's Seth. Because uh, Kate wants her to, like, date Seth. She's going to keep dating Liam, but she's going to write as if it's about Seth. There's another cringy scene. There's a business meeting, like, in a boardroom. But Lane comes in, and she's, like, bending over and doing all this stuff. And the boss is getting distracted on the video chat. And, again, I was like, oh, no, 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 no. We're not doing this. But it happened anyway. Now, there is a cute scene when they're having a girls' night at Lane's apartment. They're doing face masks and all that. And they go down to a convenience store, and Lane still has her mask, her face mask on. And she runs into Tom, her boss. And it's kind of the first time where I feel like their relationship kind of starts to develop a little more. Lane's friend even says something about Tom being cute. And Lane is like, oh, because she she can't even think of him that way, of course. Uh, but it was like planting a little seed of, of what was to come. And things are also developing with Liam still. And there's another fun scene where Lane tells Liam about her checklist that we were talking about. And one of the things on her list was a fake public fight and then makeup sex. But I loved the fight. Like, I, I just, that was fun. It was fun. Yeah. Yeah. So as we head to the end of the movie, uh, we see that Tom accidentally picks up Lane's article off the printer, off her printer. Because, you know, I said she had been printing the article and what she'd been working on off at work. Not smart, Lane. He reads everything. He even gets her folder off her desk, which I was like, that's a little invasive, but okay, Tom. So when Lane comes back in, he he confronts her, and Seth also walks in at this moment, which was funny because she's written all this, you know, crazy stuff about Seth when it's really Liam. But Tom is mad. He says everything is a lie. And Lane really sticks up for herself, and she argues that she became a great assistant, which she did. And then she's like, goodbye, Tom. To make matters worse, now that she thinks that she's gotten fired from her job, she goes out with her friend, Joanne. She had called Liam. He said he was in London dealing with an artist because, you know, British accent, I guess. So then we got to talk about how things end with Liam, and they do not end well at all. No. (laughs) And I think I saw this coming. I mean, it had to go sour somehow. But so they're at dinner, and she sees Liam as a waiter at this restaurant. And it's the same restaurant where they had their first date. Yeah, so Liam is a waiter. And then the guy that we saw as the waiter on Liam and Lane's date is now sitting at the table with another woman. So Lane figures out what's going on. She goes over to the table and really just, I mean, it's great. So she does a British accent, just like Liam. And she basically tells this woman who's sitting there how the whole thing works and how they're tricking her and making her think that he's this music producer. He has this accent and super charming and he's just trying to get women. So it was a great breakup scene. And it even ends with her and Joanne throwing water into Liam's face, which I love a good, you know, throwing water in the face for a breakup moment. So wrapping things up at the end of the movie because we got to have a happy ending here. Of course. So Tom calls and he's like, Lane, you're not fired. I need you to get over here with these visuals. We have this meeting. And so she goes to the meeting, even though she thought everyone was mad at her. And I liked the line where Tom was like, Lane, this isn't seventh grade. This is investment banking. Like, get over here. Be an adult right now. 
But Lane walks into the meeting. She has the posters. It's a great presentation. But the boss, he just says, you know, hey, this is still too much money. We're going to have layoffs. And that's when Lane, you know, stands up and is like, hey, if we do, you know, some if we make some eco-friendly changes around here and go green, we can start saving some money. And it's something that she and Tom have in common. And we didn't really talk about that, but going back to those beads, she and Tom had this conversation about how they're both kind of environmentally friendly kind of people. So so Tom pitches this green initiative. The boss agrees and wants to see the plans. And so I guess, happy ending, everyone's jobs are secure now. And to tie up the loose ends, and we do get a very, very happy ending, but Tom and Lane have a sweet moment as she's packing up to leave uh, because she is quitting and it's a nice little goodbye. Uh, And then she goes back to Cosmo and she turns in the article and the article though, it did not have a happy ending. And she was kind of disappointed in that because she thought that that was what Kate wanted. And she wound up telling the truth and she says she's been walking around with the ghost of her magic man, but there's no such thing as perfection. And so she wants to, you know, pursue real relationships from now on. So I thought that was great. Like we had a great full circle moment. You know, at the beginning of the movie, Lane is all about this checklist for her magic man. And then she learns like, OK, that's not very realistic. And we're going to search for the real thing now. Kate calls Lane to come in to Cosmo. And Lane thinks she's getting fired because the article was not what she was supposed to do and she's walking to Cosmo and I loved how it was the exact opposite of what you know the beginning of the movie she was all excited about walking to Cosmo and now she's like oh I hate this place and all that when she goes to the office Kate says the article is perfect to Lane's surprise it's going to be a cover story and then she reveals Hillary's Cosmo cover it was I think it was her 2008 cover yeah I think you're right yeah mm-hmm. which would have been like a probably like a year before they shot this and so it was interesting because her hair was a little darker uh than what it is in this movie but yay you know her article worked out and Kate tells her though that she wants an update on Lane and Tom and Lane is like what And then they go down the checklist because Lane never did a checklist for Tom. And it turns out he doesn't meet anything on her checklist. And Kate is like, you know, are you starting to see the pattern? And then Lane just realizes that Tom is her guy, which I think probably about halfway through the movie, I when I first saw it, I realized, okay, that's where this is going. You figured Um, that out. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Like way before. Yeah. Yeah. And Lane, she runs back to the office. She crashes a board meeting and she tells Tom that she's in love with him, which I was like, whoa, we went zero to 100 really fast with that. (laughs) That seemed out of nowhere. Yeah, I think it could have been more of like, you know, you're my guy or something. But he says he loves her, too. They kiss and he carries her out of the room and and her Cosmo story comes out. It's it's a big hit. We see everybody uh, reading it. And then Tom's green initiative works. And the very end of the movie Uh, We see them on a little date in a carriage, and uh, they're still kind of their quirky selves and sweet little ending. And just my overall thoughts, you know, before we jumped in, I was talking about how just how cringy some things were that wouldn't work today, you know, post Me Too and everything. But it was a fun little rom-com, and I'm glad that Hillary did this because it had just been, you know, years since she'd done a more of a mainstream kind of movie. I guess Material Girls 2006 would have been uh, the last time. So 2006 or 2010, that's about four years. And yeah, it had just been a minute, and I, I just remember being very excited about this. And um, yeah, what about your overall thoughts? Like you said, I like that it was something uh, mainstream because we hadn't seen her 
in something like that for a while. But yeah, definitely. It's a nice little rom-com, which she is good at, as we know. Um, yeah. Yeah. Even going past like the adult thing, you know, we had seen her in so many high school characters and then some college characters. And then I would say this was the first time we had seen her kind of as an adult in a workplace setting too, in a film. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Like in a, in a movie where she's like a working adult. So that's Beauty and the Briefcase. I don't think she's done another like TV movie or anything since then. So it'd be good to see one of those again. So, Would you be into yeah. that? Yeah. 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 I'd be down for a free form movie or something. I'd rather see something like on Netflix, but yeah, definitely Netflix would be ideal. Yep. Our Remember When topic today is the Elixir Trilogy, and these books were a project that came out around the same time as Beauty and the Briefcase. So Elixir was released on October 12th, 2010, Devoted October 11th, 2011, and True April 13th, 2013. Elixir was the New York Times bestseller. This was a book that she co-authored, the whole series she co-authored with Elise Allen. It's a YA novel series with Simon and & Schuster. And yeah, I just wanted to talk a little bit about this. Honestly, it's been so long since I've read the books, I would have to go back and reread them to do that properly, and I just don't have the time right now. Exactly. But yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about the plot. So it's about a character named Clea Raymond, who is a photojournalist, and she has these high-profile parents. I think her dad's like a humanitarian, and her mom was a politician. Yeah. She has this mysterious man who appears in her photos, and uh, it turns out to be like this lover from a previous life. And there's a lot about reincarnation, I remember. And there's a love triangle with Sage, who's the mystery man, and then Ben, who's kind of her best friend, uh, Clea's best friend. And I remember being pretty excited about this project. Like when Elixir first came out, it felt like a good fit. It felt like um, something different for her and I don't know what what do you remember from that time was that an exciting era for you because I the promo I mean the promo was everything I think I more enjoyed the promo I know yeah they were good books from what I remember yeah when I sent you notes about this episode I was like I do not remember these books I remember the first one more so than the than the second and third but I do remember that I was in a modern literature class in high school the year that this came out and yeah, so this is what went down because we had to do like a presentation about our favorite novel, which, okay, Elixir is not my like favorite novel of all time. Yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> proud of Hillary, of course. Yes. But because I am the Hillary Duff obsessed person that I am, of course, I did a presentation on Elixir because I wanted more people to support the book. Exactly. <laughs> I wish I could find that paper because, I mean, I like really made Elixir sound like the best thing ever um, and got up in front of the class and like did a whole presentation about it. So that happened. Um, I want to talk about the covers for these books because they are gorgeous. Like, yeah. yeah, the original cover for uh, elixir is like that purple cover with it has a, a flower I think it's an orchid but it's it's the elixir is basically I think what it is man that was such a beautiful cover and she like looked so good in all her pictures holding it I mean man and she went all out she did go all out and you could tell she was like really excited because she had never done anything like this before right no what I love too she always credited um Elise Allen as her ghostwriter right she didn't take all the credit 
for it, which I know people got after her when like this first came out that she was going to do it. They were like, oh, she's just going to make it seem like she wrote it all herself, which wasn't the case, obviously. Oh, no. I mean, even in her interviews, I remember her being like, well, I'm a third grade dropout, which she always says. <laughs> she always So I do appreciate that, you know, she gave Elise the credit uh, there. And I think that I believe that Hillary definitely took part in the planning of the books and the idea. And I'm sure that Elise did a lot of the heavy work. But, you know, I'm sure that that Hillary was involved enough to where, you know, it wasn't something that she was going to put her name on that she just had nothing to do with, you know? That's just not who she is, right? Right, yeah. But I know, like, a lot of the ideas and, like, the concepts and, like, just the descriptions of, like, the characters came directly from her. And did you always picture Clea as Hillary? Because I did. I did, definitely. Even though in all the interviews, she would be like, it's not me, you know. Yeah, (laughs) but I think most people did, I'm sure. So just talking about her her press tour and the book tours, I mean, she went to every single like talk show, it seems like. I mean, all of them. She was she was killing it. Like if she had done half the promotion of this for Breathe In, Breathe Out, can you imagine? I mean I could only imagine. <laughs> she was everywhere for this thing. I mean, and those were great interviews. I also noted, I went back and watched some of the interviews from that time and I noted how they kind of made Hillary they they had her looking so classy, I feel like. And I I wonder if that, you know, just in the way she was dressed and her hair and everything. And I know part of that's Hillary. Mm-hmm. But I wonder if that, too, you know, had something to do with how they wanted her maybe to look more prestigious and like an author, you know. Play into, into the author role. Yeah. yeah. I could be wrong and just making a weird observation. But, but yeah, she looked so classy in all these interviews. And I think she was like 23. The first book came out. She had just gotten married uh, to Mike. So she might have even been. No, she had just turned 23. And then the second book, she was pregnant with Luca. That's when she went on Ellen and revealed that she was having a boy. Yes, you're right. Yeah. And then uh, the third book, which took a while to get back around. I remember the first two came out like exactly a year apart. And then the third one didn't come out, like I said, till the spring of 2013. And it was also shorter. Like the other two books were oh, like, it was thicker. A lot shorter. I think she only did one interview, which was Ellen. And then she had one book signing, it seems like. Whereas the first book, she had like tons of book signings, several places in the country. And then the second book, I think she did New York and L.A. for a book signing. And then, yeah, the third book, it was just kind of like, well, we're done. (laughs) I don't know what that was about. I know that Hillary, we've seen an interview since where she's been like, that was the hardest thing I've ever done. So she might have kind of been like over it. I think she was. Yeah. Another thing that I'm disappointed in is that we never got like a movie or a TV series from this. Yes. Because she talked about that in her interviews. And I would still, I could see it. Yeah, I remember a lot of people were really excited about it turning into a movie and she would always talk about it too and how excited she was and how she, how could she she could see like certain people in the movie but she said she wouldn't act in it herself which was right interesting and I, I remember one interview though so they did ask her like who she'd want to play and she said there was she didn't want to play Clea she said she was too old for that but there was a character in the second book like that if she was in it that she was interested in I don't remember who that character was I can't so either. I don't remember yeah. how the series ended no <laughs> and it's not to say that they weren't memorable because right. that first book I think the first one it's it's stuck with me and probably because I wrote that paper and did that presentation right. but <laughs> I just that first one I remember it so so well um so and as far as the book tours 
I think it was the first episode of the podcast where I talked about how my parents did not take me to... So the closest book tour stop was going to be six hours away. Oh. Couldn't drive myself. Uh, but my best friend happened to live in the city, St. Louis, Missouri. And she went for me and got me a, a signed copy. So I do have a signed copy. Oh, that's amazing. Of Elixir, yeah. So shout out to my friend Emmy for doing that. So, But I remember the book tours being really successful. And just, it was an exciting time. Even though it wasn't a project that I think caught wide attention. I mean, it was a bestseller, a New York Times bestseller. So yeah, in, in some ways it did. But, you know, I don't think people always think about Hilary Duff being an author. But it was a good time. Do you remember, I think she did like an interview in Paris? Oh, where she shaded Lindsay Lohan? Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was like a radio, radio, <laughs> radio interview. And she ended I do up, remember that. Yeah, shaded <laughs> Lindsay. I, I don't remember what she said, but she was just like, what a bitch. And I was yes. like, yes, Hilary. <laughs> So we will end here with Quizzy McGuire and my question for you, and I hope I'm getting this information right, but because in Beauty and the Briefcase, we saw one of Hillary's Cosmo covers, I want to know if you know how many U.S. Cosmopolitan covers has Hillary been on, and bonus for if you know the years. Is it just U.S.? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my question is like, how many U.S. ones? Because I know she's been on several, like, international. Mo- Let me give you multiple choice. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. The multiple choice. <laughs> so we'll say A, 4, B, 6, C, 8. 6. Uh, no, it is actually A, 4, four. according to my count and research. If I'm wrong, someone please come for me. <laughs> but yes, and the years, we have 2006, 2008, 2015, and 2017. Uh, but one, she's got on kind of this like plaid look for the 2006 one, 2008. That's the one that we see in Beauty and the Briefcase. And it's kind of this purple, like satin looking dress. 2015, that was the breathe in, breathe out year. And I mean, she had on like the short, short jeans and like the leather black jacket. One of my favorites. Never looked better. Oh, yes. She also had on the short blue jean shorts and like a blue top that was uh, knotted at the bottom. But yeah. Okay. I'm ready for your question. So like going to her movies um, back in 2011, she was set to be in this movie where she played a dancer in New York, where she also meets this blind man. Do you remember what the name of it is? She was going to play a dancer in New York. A blind man. (laughs) They end up getting together. Oh, I have no idea. No? No. It's Donald Kimsey. Donald Kimsey, uh uh-uh. No. Uh, So the Google results are from Hillary News in her new movie, (laughs) Donald Kimsky. Hillary Duff will be playing a dancer who meets a blind man in New York City. No. She talked about it when she was doing press for bloodworth oh okay she was pretty excited for it too but it never ended up getting lifted off the ground for some reason uh so many so many projects have gotten so many projects you could have done yeah you could go on and on talk all, all day i know there could be a whole episode about that honestly this has been great, and it's been fun to have such a hardcore fan on and enjoyed talking Beauty in the Briefcase. Great to talk Elixir. Is there anything else you want to say about like why you are such a big Hillary fan and why you love her, why we all love her so much? I don't know. I think she's re- really relatable to people. Right. And she's never 
like she we have changed and we've like grown up with her right Mm -hmm. but she's never really changed like what she stand for yeah she's like a great all-around entertainer uh she's like (laughs) an amazing mom as we all know Mm -hmm. there's just so much to say about her right yeah for sure yeah all right well josh this has been so much fun thanks for being on deaf enough thanks so much for having me and do you want to plug uh hillary news i mean as if listeners need to know but before we go feel free (laughs) all right so i'm sure you everyone knows who's listening um follow hillary news for all the latest updates on hillary yeah and i'll have the link uh, for that in the the description so all right josh thanks so much thanks so much And that's all for this episode of Duff Enough. Thanks again for listening. I hope you'll subscribe and stick around for more because this podcast is what dreams are made of. You can follow along on social media at Duff Enough Pod and check the description for my socials as well as show guests. And until next time, bye Team Duff. Bye.